Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. If your business would fall down in a couple of weeks without you being there, it is not a business. It is actually a business fail. We are talking about five attitudes which are going to cause your business to fail. Most business owners do not set a big enough goal or have a big enough vision Mm. about what they want to achieve. Just because everyone thinks a certain way uh, doesn't mean it's the best way. Uh, In fact, often it's not. So the actions we take today give us the results we enjoy tomorrow. Honestly, good on you for being a grinder and working hard. I think the really tough thing is it's about doing the right hard work in the right place to create leverage so that you can actually have a better life. Yeah, I have this thing about um, sheep. Actually, that didn't sound good, did it? I don't have a thing about (laughs) sheep. In sport, it's often said that what makes the difference between the good players and the great players is not so much athletic ability, but it's more about the top two inches, the mindset, the beliefs, and the attitudes of that sports person. Now, basically, how they think about themselves, the world, and their sport is what counts. And after coaching thousands of business owners, I know the same to be true for business owners. So tune into this week's podcast where we discuss five attitudes that will cause your business to fail if you don't identify them and actively change them. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back, and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. Oh, howdy there, team. Tony Fraser-Jones here in the uh, hot seat, uh, co-host of the Profitable Trading Podcast with my other co-host, which means there's two hosts. I'm one, and Phil is the other. Hello, Phil. Hello, mate. Some great maths there for uh, for our listeners today. Yes. Also, definition of co-host, if you, uh, anyone was wondering. That's two hosts who do <laughs> it together. That's two hosts. Uh, it actually could be more, couldn't it? Co-hosts. I don't know. Actually, it's a good if question. If you had three hosts, would you be co-hosts You'd probably be tri-hosts. Uh, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. What are we talking about today? We are talking about uh, basically five attitudes which are going to cause your business to fail. So uh, in this case, there's an old saying, as a man thinketh, so he is, um, which is by Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, originally in the Bible, but um, you know, Ralph probably popularized it as well, which is good. So it depends where you get your reading. Uh, but a bunch of attitudes uh, that you might think help you or that you might not even be aware of that are making it tough for you to create a great business. Uh, so sometimes the conventional wisdom around attitudes is actually uh, wrong as well. Uh, just because everyone thinks a certain way uh, doesn't mean it's the best way. Uh, in fact, often it's not, right? Uh, so it's just sheep following each other. And I think mindset and attitudes, everything. You know, some sports people just seem to perform better under pressure because their attitude is different, Right. Uh, they can stay calm and just be in the present moment. Yeah, I have this thing about sheep, uh, and I often say this to my kids. Actually, that didn't sound good, did it? I don't have a thing about sheep. <laughs> For those be- people outside of New Zealand, we don't all have things about sheep, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Jeez, I walked into that. Like, I just walked into that door <laughs> oh, that slammed man. in my face. Uh, let's get this straight. Straight through a, the fence. There's a right story time. about sheep. I say this to my kids. If all the sheep are going one way, you want to be the sheep that goes the other way because uh, most often everyone doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, well, those sheep the are after the slaughter, right? Well, they are, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that happens in life a lot. People get a lot of average results, pretty much the same as everyone else. happens in business as well, and that's because what's going on in their head, basically. And uh, business is the same as sport. Uh, some attitudes are way more helpful than others that allow you to do much better. And the big thing about attitude and mindset is that uh, the actions we take today give us the results we enjoy tomorrow, and the actions we take today are driven by our attitudes today. And in the same way, the results that we've got today are driven by the actions that we took in the past, which are driven by our past attitudes. So we know that some attitudes are, are really important for business success and some attitudes just really aren't that helpful. 
Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure you got a story to kick us off. Some of such stories, a little reflection on a, a business mentor I had way back in the dark ages. Uh, <laughs> incidentally, if you're ever talking to a coach who coaches business, they probably should have their own coaches. That's just something you should check out. Yeah, yeah. Now, this, this uh, guy, his name was Ross, he asked me a bunch of questions. I can remember in a coaching session, he said, what is your job? And I'm like, well, my job is to help the clients. Yeah, that's a good answer. What else is your job? Well, it's to coach people. Yeah, what else is it? Oh, to teach them marketing. Or what else? I teach them how to do their numbers. What else? I went through a bunch of stuff. And I'd actually been talking to, to Ross about the fact that I wanted to build you know, a business, mm. not just just not just go and meet people and coach them. And he said, look, those are all good answers, but they're actually wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wrong. wrong. Uh, your, the answer here is your job is to build your business. Yep. That's the answer. Uh, and it's like McDonald's, you know, that's a, they sell franchises, they're complete businesses. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're selling a business and, and someone's built that and our job is very similar. We want to almost create a, a McDonald's of our business, a franchise prototype, which is something that Michael Gerber talks about in, yep. in the E-Myth Revisited, is it? Well, E-Myth Revisited is the one you'll, uh, you'll find more readily. Is that yeah. the second crack at it? Well, it's a good book, man. It's, uh, it's it got all, a great all, all the goodness in there, yeah, so ever, definitely give it a read. If you want a good place to start, it's a great book. But the, Ross was sort of saying, yeah, look, you've got to do all those other things. But really your job, if you want to have a great business that gives you uh, success and freedom, is to build the business. Yeah, that's it's right. not just to do the service or the product. And that was uh, that was the lesson. Yeah. But I think the big thing is that we can get this wrong. And in fact, you know, your business can fail uh, for a bunch of reasons. And Obviously, today we're looking at some attitudes that can lead to that. But I think before we do, uh, we should probably talk about what business failure actually is. Yeah, I think this is huge, man. Like, you know, when you think of failure in a business, people are like, well, the business went broke. Yeah. Uh, it went bankrupt. It stopped trading. And for me, well, that that's clearly an example of failure. But for me, business failure is something way deeper than that. Business failure is when your business doesn't give you the money, the lifestyle, and the freedom that you want. Mm. And the reason that you would be in business is to get more than you can get from a job. You have a bigger vision for your life and your business. Yeah. And you're a person who's prepared to take take on more responsibility and take on a bit more risk for a bigger reward. Yeah. And so the definition of a, a successful business is that it's a commercial profitable enterprise that works without me. Yeah. Now what that means is if your business would fall down in a couple of weeks without you being there, it is not a business. It is actually a business fail. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a business that gives you real money, real freedom, allows you to take vacations when you want to. And, and here's the thing. You should be able to take six weeks off from your business and it should be able to perform. And when I say perform, it should work and it should actually be able to grow. Yeah. And you want to do it for at least six weeks because that allows you to go through a full business cycle. So your business has to price work without you. It has to win work without you. It has to get invoicing done without you. Uh, and you have to get paid without you. Yeah. Ideally, it should be able to hire people without you as well. Yeah. And it should have other people building the systems and making important decisions about the business. Yeah. If your business does that, it's a success because then it can give you money, which is important. But for me, what's more important is the money allows you to buy the time and the freedom. Yeah. So there are some attitudes that we see that sometimes people might think are the right way to go, the conventional wisdom which we find actually cause people's business to fail if we use the definition that the business is commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. Yeah, and you know, for those of you listening, if you're thinking, geez, Tony, like 
my business couldn't do all of that. Does that mean my business sucks? No, not necessarily. These are things you work towards, right? Like you're going to start off in a position where if you took a six-week break, maybe none of that would happen. Um, but as you continue to grow and develop and improve your business, that's what you're working towards is the point where you could go away for a full business cycle or more and those things are just going to keep happening. So, yeah, I mean, there's sort of degrees of this along the way. There are degrees, Phil, and here's the thing. Most business owners do not set a big enough goal or have a big enough vision mm. about what they want to achieve. Yeah, They're thinking too small, and if they're thinking too small, they'll achieve too small. Yeah, And so my challenge, to put it out there, is why not if you're in business, create a business? Yeah, real business. Doesn't, yeah, real business. It doesn't mean that you're a failure as a person if your business isn't at that level. That's not what we're saying. Absolutely But not. for me, it is a business fail because you, if you can't get away for six weeks, if the business can't keep making money, if it can't grow without you, if it can't make decisions without you, if it can't service clients and price work, invoice work, mm. well, really you've just got a pretty stressful job. Well, actually you have worse than a stressful job because in a stressful job, at least you have uh, times when the job is not reliant on you and you can take a vacation or have a day off or have some flexibility, but with your business in that state, you have all the hallmarks of a stressful job and the shackles around your ankles, right? So yeah, none of the benefits of a job. Yeah, that's right. So, so you've actually, uh, you know, created something difficult, and I think I think that's really the point. And it's, like we say, it's not about growing to be a huge business. It's about like getting to a state where your business is a real business that can run without you, at whatever size you choose it to be. Um, that's I think the a hallmark of success. And if you can't do that, then that's obviously a, a hallmark of, of failure on some level. Yeah, in terms of a business, the definition yeah. of a business. And that's right. Uh, my challenge that we have, you know, we're talking with our members and anyone who's listening to the podcast is uh, you got to think bigger and better, and yep. then you get bigger and better results. So let's raise the bar about what we want to achieve, 100%. and then we can look at some of the attitudes that may hold us back from that. Let's do that. So let's get into these five attitudes. What are they? Well, attitude number one is uh, I could never charge that for my services. Yeah. Or if you think about it, man, there's no way I'm worth that. Or there's no way I could charge that for what we do. The The problem here or the attitude is you're undervaluing your service. Yeah, 100%. And this is a huge problem. Uh, and this is a problem in our heads. Yep. Uh, so what tends to happen is, as business owners, we'll price work out of our own pockets. So we're like, it's easier. That's, I mean, anyone could do that. That's what we assume because we can do it and it's relatively easy for us. There's no way anyone would charge that. There's no way it's worth that. Yeah. Uh, so why would I charge heaps for it? Yeah. Anything is easy for those people who are good at it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, value is really in the eye of the beholder, right? So I mean, the value for you might seem lower because you're like, that was easy. But remember that the people that are paying you for your service, uh, the value for them is not you you know, enacting that service. It's not the, the value of the materials that you provide. It's it's none of that. It's the end result that they're after, which is sometimes going to be something that makes their life better. And other times it's something which solves a pain point or a problem they've got. And what they're paying you for and where they see the value is whether or not that problem was solved and whether or not this was easy for them and, you know, whether or not they now have a better life because of what you've done. So, you know, you'll be going into it with your value seeing the value of the time and materials you've put into this job, but they see the value in the result that they get at the end. And so you just got to remember that the value is in the eye of the beholder and, you know, you got to see the value that they see, not just what you see. So 
if you look at this, I mean, like urgent repair work is also, you know, going to be a really good example of value in the eye of the beholder because if something is not an emergency, like I've got, I don't know, something just low key around my house, that's going to have one value. But if something is an emergency, for example, my toilet is overflowing, it's on the second level of the house, there's water coming down through the roof and it's creating a huge problem. Um, the value for me in getting that repaired and getting it repaired right now is going to be really, really high because the stakes are higher. So it's nothing to do with what it costs you to repair said toilet. It's about you know the the urgent pain that I'm in right now and what it's worth to me to solve that. So I would pay more, right? It's it's just it's pretty simple. And on top of that, you know, the value is really in the ambiguity as well because, like I said, they have no idea what the materials cost or what your labour is worth, and they don't actually care. And they don't know how to do what you're doing. Exactly. You know, it's like, how did that happen? That's what I mean. They don't don't understand it. And they don't have to understand it. And I think often we can can lose ourselves in trying to help them understand it to see the value. But that's actually missing the point. um, Because the value that they're going to see is in the end result. So they don't need to or want to understand that middle part. And that'll help you see the right value. And just to remember, like, again, you're a trained professional, so a lot of the value they're getting is in you and your knowledge and the experience you've gained over years and years and years of being an expert. That's really the value, not the actual cost of your time in this moment. It's the cost of your experience, your knowledge, and everything that you can bring to the table to help this be, you know, something that happens quickly, easily, accurately with no stuff-ups. That's 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 what they're after, you know? Well, it's, it's like you go to the doctor, you know, and they diagnose the problem. Well, that comes from their experience, and yeah. that is the valuable part. It's the same if you go to as a commercial client or a, or a homeowner or whoever it is, and uh, you spend 10 or 15 minutes figuring out what the issue is. They should pay for that. They don't just pay for the fact that you've spent some time fixing it yeah. and you've sold some materials. It's not the 10 or 15 minutes. No, it's the, it's, it's the days, weeks, and months that you've learned how to figure out what the problem is. It's the years and decades, really. Like, and, yeah. and so that's valuable. You know, there's heaps in that, yeah. and, and, uh, and this you is, need to see it too. You do, and this is the thing that's critical. Value is judged by the client. Mm. Really think about the value is judged by the client. So when the client says, oh, that's way too expensive, that's when the value is not there. Mm. And a lot of the time you can charge way more than you are before mm. they even get near that point. Yeah. And if, like you said, for maintenance, let's think of a, an industrial processing plant that has an electrical breakdown. Mm. You know, you, you could charge thousands of dollars for, for the call-out and the fix-up because if that mm. processing plant is down, it's costing them tens of thousands, well, maybe actually, hundreds of thousands. If you think about that, you could charge more and more and more depending how quickly you can get there and get it done because you know the value to that plant of being here within half an hour is much more than the value of you being here by the end of the day because if you're here within half an hour versus the end of the day, like the lost productivity of that plant is, is going to cost so much more than your job ever will. So the quicker you can get there, the better. So the thing here is it's just critical that you understand the attitude of I, I'm not worth it or I, I could never charge that is actually costing you a lot of money. Mm. Uh, and it's important to realise that uh, you are not the judge of value. The client is the judge of value. And you must learn how to charge the highest price you possibly can. Not ridiculous, but a high enough price mm. That allows you to make a great profit off your jobs because then that allows you to hire people and build your business. This is why it's important. Yeah. Because if you have this attitude that I'm not worth it, you're not going to make enough money to actually grow a business. Uh, you'll be stuck in the doldrums. You'll be stuck with a hand-to-mouth existence. Mm. And as I said, not valuing your service, that's your problem. It's not the client's problem. Yeah. Uh, that's um, And, and if, they, if your clients don't get the value, mm. get some new clients. 100%. All right, cool. Great job on attitude number one. Let's do attitude number two. Number two, 
this attitude is if I just work a bit harder, I'll get there. Or if I just work a bit harder, it'll come right. The old if then. Yeah, that's right. Or if I just when push then. through, mm. that's what this attitude is. And and look, here's what I see. I drive around different countries, done the same thing. You drive around, you see lots of tradies, uh, service providers, working on the weekends on building sites, trying to get more done just to stay ahead of the game. And that really, really worries me. Yeah, I feel a bit sick in my guts when I see that because yeah. I know what's going on for that person. They're trying to just push through and just be the man uh, and get it done. And that has a bunch of uh, downstream consequences. Yeah, totally. You know, hard work is required, 100%. Mm. It's, it's important that you work hard. But if you just work yourself into the ground, you're going to get exhausted, you're going to get stressed out, you're going to get burnt out, your relationships are going to suffer, you're going to hate life, and you're not going to want to grow your business because all you'll see is more hard work and more pain, and nobody will grow into psychological pain. Yeah. You just won't do it. You'll find a way of not doing it. Yeah, and I think the big thing is, like, it's not about not doing hard work. That's not what we're saying. We just want you to work on the right things hard in the right way so that you don't kill yourself in the process. Um, and again, for those of you that are listening to this and you're thinking, you know what, I'm even listening to this while I'm on site on a Saturday. Um, look, like, it's not having a go at all. Like, we totally get it. And, like, honestly, good on you for being a grinder and working hard. I think the really tough thing is it's about doing the right hard work in the right place to create leverage so that you can actually have a better life and not have to be there on a Saturday. And so, like, if you're doing the right hard work, like, you could be busting your ass on site and working really hard on that, or you could have put a lot of hard work into creating the right systems and getting the right team in place to actually use those systems and, you know, right people on the bus in the right seats, doing the right things the right way. You put all the work into that, it's also hard work, but that's going to create a lot of leverage in your business and give you the ability where you're not then having to put in the physical hard work where it's one person creating one outcome. You can have many people creating many outcomes at once, based on the hard work that you've done to create the engine rather than you know be behind the wheel yourself. Yeah, it's, it's a force multiplier, isn't it? Uh, and so if you're finding that you as the business owner uh, or some of your key people are working you know, lots of weekends and stuff to stay on top of things, think about it this way. Okay, what I probably need to do is w- do some hard work getting some other people who can do that work so we don't, all don't have to work on the weekends because if you are having to work on the weekends all the time, you don't have enough people. It's pretty simple. It's, it's uh, most likely. So that. Or you're you getting pushed around by your clients. Sure. Either way, hard yeah. work to do. But more people will help with both of those <laughs> that's things. That's right, that's right. Uh, so here's the thing. Working hard on building your business is important. So working hard on building your team and your systems is important because that will create the leverage, the force multiplier that will one day give you the freedom that you want. So you don't want to just work hard because just working hard you know, and expecting a different result, that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again mm. and expecting a different result, expecting if you just keep working hard that this will come right. It's not yep. going to because nah. it hasn't in the past. Nah, and it's that when-then thinking, right? Yep. Like when I get through this little patch, then everything will be better. The hard part is then there's something else, right? It's always something else. I'm sure you've experienced that. When-then thinking is completely destructive and you need to break that pattern. So let's get into attitude number three. Number three. I'm too busy and I don't have time. Here's the thing, straight up, this is like newsflash. No one ever has enough time to do everything they want. Always want to do more than we can do. And that's just the human condition. You will always be too busy. You know, you've got to embrace that. It's not going to go away. No. So how you actually deal with it is important. And saying I'm too busy and I don't have time for me, when I say I don't have time, it means I don't have time to work on my business. Uh, I don't have time to maybe look after my health or nurture my relationships, whatever it is. It all sort of fits in there. Yeah. To me, it's kind of like saying, hey, I couldn't do my homework because the dog stole it. 
You know, yeah. you've, you've got 24 hours a day, so yeah, it's not like someone else has got more time. It's about making decisions, right? Well, I can't remember who said it, but they said, you know, try instead of saying I don't have time, you know, try saying instead I'm choosing not to do this because I've chosen to do X, Y, Z instead. Uh, and when you have to word it to yourself like that, you you often go, oh shit, yeah, I am actually choosing this. And like, look, you probably will always have too much stuff to do, but one way or another, you are actually making a choice not to do something. And that's going to be based on priorities. That's just true all the time. I could be at Disneyland right now, but I'm not. I'm here with you, right? So it's a happy day. <laughs> it's a happy day. I'd rather be here to be honest. But uh, <laughs> Disneyland's You're full just of lines. But uh, but yeah, it's always a choice. So look, um, I think the next thing is like, don't celebrate being too busy. You know, people people are going to say, hey, how's it going? Blah blah. blah. And you're always oh, flat out busy. Yeah, and they say, oh, you're real busy. Like, how many hours you're working? And you know, you sort of say, oh. It's not too bad, man, you know, 65, 70, and people go, oh, wow, you're working hard, and you're like, yeah, you know, no drama, you know, it'll come right, but, you know, just head down, bum up, doing the right thing, and you feel good about it on some level because, you know, it shows you're not a slouch, you're working hard, and I mean, honestly, like, a generation or two ago, that was a badge of honour. It was, it was something that was really, you know, a good thing. Remember, coming out of the Great Depression, the idea of I can work 50, 60, 70 hours a week was a huge badge of honour. It was something to be really proud of. <laughs> so, you know, we're now at a point where it's like, yeah, cool, like, that, that was good, but that was also too much, man. Like, we do need to be able to enjoy ourselves too. It shouldn't be a badge of honour. So don't look at it that way. Uh, next thing is, if you put off making changes to improve your business, you might think you're doing good now and you're getting success now, but you're actually robbing your future self of success, you know, because you're not doing the things right now that are going to set up your future self for a better life, a better business, more time, money, freedom. Instead, you're doing the things that's going to, you know, put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole now and it feels good, it's a small amount of success, but you're still not making those changes that will help you later. Yeah, that's that's true, and and uh, you know that might be things like, hey, I need to uh, build a better hiring process so I can get better people. I need to put some training together so I can take my apprentices through more quickly, or I need to put some pricing templates together so that me or the team or whoever's pricing can get it done way more more quickly. Or I need to nurture some key relationships so we've got more clients in the future. If you're too busy to do that stuff, basically you're just recycling the same result over and over again. You're not going to get a bigger future. And the thing that underpins this, and we've alluded to it, is that time is actually a priority equation because you have two resources in time. And we've spoken about this on the pod a number of times, but it is absolutely critical. You've got money and time. Yeah. One of those resources is renewable and one of them is not. Now, you can That's always right. spend or make more money, but you can never spend or make more time. Yeah. It's gone, it's gone. You've got a bank account of time, uh, and when you use it up, it's gone. Yeah. And you've only got a certain amount of time in your bank account until... Well, game over, and and you know your uh, turn here is done. Yeah, which means you're dead. Yeah. So we need to spend some of the time today setting up for our future self. Otherwise, we won't create anything different. Yeah. Uh, so it is always the priority question. If you're fate, and I know this is tough. It's really tough, and we get stuck in the urgent mm. and the demands of the clients today. Yeah. But we sometimes have to put on our big boy or our big girl pants and say, nah. I'm actually going to realize that I have to just say not now to some stuff so I can build some stuff into my business that's going to help it be better in the future. And that's a that's a priorities question. Yeah. Well, if you'll indulge me here, I actually have a story which has uh, come to mind, which which I really like. Um, it's actually a Warren Buffett story. So he always talks about when he was young, um, you know, he was really into girls and cars. 
thing is uh, he was useless with the girls, so he concentrated on the cars. I had a mentor of his that said to him, hey, Warren, if you had a, a magic wand where you could wave it and you got your favourite car, any car you like, right now for free, um, it would turn up right now on your doorstep and you got it. Um, you know, would you wave it? And he's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, thing is, there's a catch, Warren, is that uh, if you do that and you get this car, you can never have another car as long as you live. you got to keep that one forever. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, how would you treat that car? And Warren's thinking, well, you know, I'd wash it all the time and I'd always keep it garaged and I'd look after it. I'd be servicing it. I'd be, you know, doing all the things I can do to keep it good. And anytime there was any little ding or scratch, I'd, I'd fix it immediately because I don't want to get any rust. Like, I need to keep this thing running. And, he's, and he basically said, look, this is a metaphor for how you do anything, whether it's, you know, your health or your business or, you know, any of your things in life. You know, treat, if you want it to last forever, look after it today. Because the problem is the way people actually use cars is that they thrash them to death. Um, you know, they get the odd service and stuff, sure, but um, often we get those little nicks and dings and scratches and we leave them and they rust. And, you know, there's, there's problems that occur and you run them right into the ground because you know you'll get another car. The thing is, if you want your business to last forever, you need to do that work on it now. You know, that proactive stuff that's going to make it last forever because if you wait until it's completely wrecked uh, 40 years from now, it you know, it's, it could be too late. Yeah, and the yeah. proactive stuff we talked about is the stuff that builds the business. Yeah. Yes, you have to be good at the projects and building the houses and doing the gardens and fixing problems. You've got to do a good job, 100%. Mm. But your actual job, mm. if you don't want to have a business that fails, is to build the business. And that stuff is all about priorities. Yeah, and you need to make it a priority today. So let's look at uh, attitude number four. Yeah, I love this one. Customer is king and the customer is always right. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. I, I used Sweet to own a, uh, a burger restaurant uh, back in the day, Chef Tony. Um, it was cooking and it was a kitchen, Phil. Yeah, don't good mock on it. You, good on anyway, you. no, uh, it's noble work. I, I remember one of the trainers there saying, "We should change that to say the customer is seldom wrong," <laughs> which I thought was quite good. But anyway, you could say the customer is seldom right. But seldom, <laughs> yeah, 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 seldom wrong. No, uh, anyway, so um, here's the thing. Bad customers will kill your business. Totally. This is important. They will kill your business. And you do not have to work for low-profit clients or those who muck you around or who won't pay or are rude to your team who are ultra-demanding and just always put the pressure on you. You do not have to work for those people. Yeah. And often we think we do because it's about, well, we should take whatever work we can get, uh, all that sort of stuff. And it's not a good idea. Yeah, totally. And I think like not only do you not have to, but like please don't. It's it's really a cancer in your business and it's it's gonna ruin you. So you really need to be targeting your customers into niches that you want to work in. So whether it's a type of work or you know, a type of person, um, don't just take whatever comes up because it's a job and you think you need it. Like you're only gonna be at the mercy of what comes your way uh, if you're not proactively marketing and actually searching out um, the right type of working customer. And, you know, this is actually not as hard as it sounds. Uh, but I think the thing is, is that often uh, people who pay more uh, also are going to question your bill less um, and actually find it easier to see value. Um, and there's a lot that goes into this, you know, and there'll be certain types of work that you're just better at. So you make better margins. There'll be certain, you know, things that you just enjoy more. And so you actually are probably more efficient and you make better margins. Like don't do stuff you suck at with people you don't like, who don't pay and don't get good margins. It's just not good for you. You can target other stuff, so do it. And um, I can think of uh, several clients who over the years who have been large clients have come to us. And I'm talking about businesses who are doing 10, 15, 20 million in revenue. 
reasonable sized business, you know, maybe 70, 80, 90 team members. Mm. And these businesses were pretty much broken because they were working with clients who were toxic. Yeah. And often it was a really large construction companies who uh, had very tight margins on their jobs. They had an army of quantity surveyors trying to screw down the subcontractors. Mm. That's how they made their money. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of retentions. You know, you'd 10% held back and 5% and then you'd, you'd take ages to get your money. And it was just really tough going. Yeah. Uh, look, those clients were toxic and the best strategy in those places was to find some different clients. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you need to learn how to do marketing and sales so that you can choose the clients you want. You know, if, if you can do this really well, you can learn the marketing and the sales techniques. It's going to put you ahead and make you a market authority and, you know, get you a little bit of choice. Well, then you can use that choice to work with the people that you want to work with and get the margins you want to get and the cash flow you want to have. So it creates power, really, um, that choice. And power creates better pricing, better margins, and ultimately a better business and a better life. So you got to do it, which uh, leads us to attitude number five. Number five. Uh, I didn't quite know how to sort of frame this one. Um, but what I came up with is, hey, I struggled at school, uh, so I'll leave the finances and the numbers to the experts like my accountant. Yeah. And I think this is a big thing because for a lot of uh, a lot of us, if we've gone into the trades, plumbing, electrical, painting, glazing, whatever it is, landscaping, you know, some of us actually found school a bit difficult and it was like, well, you're not going to university so you can go and do a trade, uh, which is crazy. Uh, it's not a second choice. Like, it's a fantastic opportunity and, and there's so much opportunity. But we, we sort of picked up this attitude that somehow we weren't smart or we weren't book smart uh, and we never learnt about numbers mm. when we are doing our apprenticeship. Yep. Uh, and, and the person that we apprenticed to probably didn't know much about it either. Yeah. And we didn't learn much about business. But the thing is, uh, you are smart. If you're a business owner, you are smart enough. And mm. here's the thing. Numbers are the language of business. Yeah. It's how we keep score. So if we're going to play a game of football or basketball or whatever it is, we want to know the score. Even if it's like playing with your kids half the time or it's a social game, everyone wants to know the score. Yeah. And business is the same. Yeah. Uh, how else do you know how you're going? How else do you know whether you're winning? Uh, and here's the thing. You must know and show your numbers. What that means is you must understand them and you must look at them. And ideally you show them to someone else Yeah. Uh, because that creates a lot of accountability. So, yeah, look, this this sort of attitude that uh, maybe I'm not smart or I'm not good with numbers or books or stuff is mm. a real problem that's going to stop your business growing. Yeah, and I think the big thing is like, you know, a lot of people will struggle at school for a lot of reasons. Like, um, you know, I would like to think I've got my head screwed on straight. And, you know, I, I did actually, I did, I do have a university degree. I didn't go. Um, she, she just, just bought just, it in, a, yeah, in just, a cereal just packet. dial it in from, uh, for the exams and things like that and a little bit of YouTube and, and there you go. But I think the thing is, I, I actually really struggled at school a lot because I just found it hard to pay attention. A lot of it was really boring. Um, got in trouble a lot because I was having too much fun. People don't like you to have fun. It's a bad time for them. So, look, there's a lot of reasons that you might struggle and therefore you write off being academic, but it's it's not about being super academic. You are totally smart enough for this. Like, if you can, if you can do the work that it takes to run a business already, firstly, you're smart enough. Secondly, like, if you own a trades business, you're pretty damn sharp on the tools, which means that you are smart enough. That's not easy stuff to do. Um, and so end of the day, I think we can write it off as being too hard, but it's not that hard. You just have to learn it. And you've proven you can learn because once upon a time, you didn't know how to do your trade, but you learned that and you're a master of it now. So you know you can learn. And this is actually way less complex 
you just have to be open-minded to the fact that you can learn it and just give it a give it a try really and then practice it and practice it that's all like it's it's just repetition it's the same as anything so i think the big thing to take from this is that if you measure your numbers and you understand them then just remember that you can manage what you measure all right so you can't manage it if you don't measure it but you can manage what you measure and what gets measured gets done so if you want stuff to get done you want change to be made you need to be able to understand how this is coming through in your numbers because as you said, that's the language of business. So yeah, huge. And, and the, the example was uh, a couple of guys we worked with a few years ago came to us, massive cash flow problems, uh, had a business for about two and a half million in revenue, two and a half to three, uh, and their gross profit margin was about twenty percent, which mm. is very low. Uh, and the first thing we did was get them to actually review the costing on their jobs. Yeah. And they look at this, they're like flipping heck. Some of these jobs are like 18 percent. These are house builds. Like this is mad, and then they look a bit deeper. Well, actually, there's like 20, 22 trips to each site to, to the job out in the field. This is crazy. What's going on? Well, there's a bunch of disorganisation. Materials aren't being ordered properly. The clients mucking us around a bit. And they're aware of it straight away, and they're like, "Oh, we can fix that." So they make the changes, get those jobs to to margins in the mid 30s. Their margins overall lift up. Happy days. Yep. You measure it. It gets managed, and you can change it. And you're smart. When you actually see what the numbers are, you understand what's causing behind it and you make changes with that, which then improves your numbers, which then gives you the profitability to actually grow a business. Totally. Basically, there's only four or five or six things you need to do. Mm. You need to back cost the work you do, which means check the jobs you've done, how profitable they are, check the labour and the quantities, uh, was it on target, and uh, you, know, you can adjust it. Next is you've got to understand the difference between a gross margin and a markup. It's pretty mm. simple. Do a monthly profit and loss just to see how the business is, cra- you know, is, is cracking on each month. Track your receivables and payables, how much you've got to pay, how much is uh, coming in. Mm. And have some weekly KPIs as your business grows. Yeah. And then a balance sheet. That's it. Yeah. And, like, again, none of this is too hard. Like, if any of this sounds like uh, another language, honestly, like, this is stuff you'll pick up real easy. Like we said, you are more than capable, so... Those yeah. are those are our five, five attitudes. Yeah, five attitudes. Stop business failure. Yeah. So, uh, should we land this plane? Let's do it. Business failure is a business that doesn't give you money, time, and freedom. Uh, and there are a bunch of underlying attitudes that many tradespeople have that actually cause their business to fail. And if any of these attitudes we discussed today hit home with you, it's time for a mental upgrade so you can get the business that you deserve. Thanks, thanks for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. It's really easy as a business owner to get pushed around in your dealings with other people, whether it's with your team, your clients, your debtors, your suppliers, or whoever you have to deal with. And you often feel like you have to do what the other person wants because they hold the power in lots of situations. Tune into this week's podcast where we talk through how to stop being pushed around and how to take the power back in six easy-to-action strategies. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Tradie, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Tradie Podcast.